This is episode number 100. Can you believe it? With my darling husband, Nick Broadhurst, and me. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I don't really think Nick Broadhurst needs a professional introduction, but for those of you that don't know, he's my beautiful husband. He is also an incredible musician. He's had about 11 million streams now on Spotify. He is an entrepreneur. He's the CEO of three companies. He's a dad, my beautiful husband, and an all-round epic human. And today we wanted to come together to celebrate 100 episodes and almost 3 million downloads in just over a year. So we thought we'd bring you something a little bit bit special today. And in this episode, we answer all of your burning questions around health, wealth, love, soulmates, soulful sex, and conscious parenting. And we go deep, really deep. So I'm so excited for you to check out today's episode. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 100. And we give you so many books, so many recommendations. So head on over there for anything that we recommend in this show. And before we dive in, I would love to read the review of the week. And this comes from Kay Holden. And she says, this podcast is a must listen every week. She's been listening to as many podcasts as she can each week and has been so inspired, touched and motivated by all of them. The best leaders and teachers sharing such fantastic, real and inspiring stories and information. She has had so many light bulb moments. Thank you, Melissa, for being so awesome. Thank you, Melissa, for being so awesome and inspirational. I am forever grateful. And I am forever grateful for your beautiful review. So thank you so much. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review there. And without further ado, let's dive in. Buckle up, get ready, because this is a long, juicy, deep conversation with my darling husband, Nick Broadhurst. Welcome, honey. It is so great to have you back on the show for the third time. I think that's the most out of all of the guests. So welcome back. And I'm so excited. This is episode number 100. And it's a special one. We're doing a yin and yang Q&A. Can you believe that it's been just over a year and we've had almost 3 million downloads and 100 episodes? That's epic. I'm so excited. But before we dive in, you know the drill. Can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Good question. Wow, I could speak forever on food, couldn't I? <laughs> this morning I had for breakfast 
some oats, which I had soaked overnight and cooked those until they were absolute mush. And that's really important because you are destroying some of the lectins in the oats. And then on top of that, I had some fresh fig, which was so beautiful, fresh local figs here up in Noosa. And I had five almonds, to be exact, which had been soaked overnight and shelled. That's a very Ayurvedic thing to have five almonds. And a little side of herbal tea. Yeah, uh, um, yummo. Well, I am so excited to celebrate hitting 100 episodes with you. And to celebrate, we went out to the tribe and asked you guys what you wanted to know, and we got inundated with hundreds of questions, your burning questions from health, wealth, love, and parenting-related questions. We got them all. So today, we are going to answer as many as we possibly can from a yin and yang perspective. So let's dive in. Let's start with some health-related questions. The first question comes from All That Is Home, and she asked for a detailed account of our daily routine. So, honey, without taking up 45 minutes of your daily routine, can you kind of give us a little dot point run through and then I'll give mine? Yes, would love to. Well, I must say that I have simplified this over the years. I used to have an app called Way of Life and it's basically an app which reaffirms making good habits. And I had this huge list that I used to go in and tick off every morning. And to be honest, I mean, I love organization. I... Um, if I'm not organized, then I don't feel good. So I loved that side of it, but it was creating stress because I had so many things to tick off in the morning. So I've definitely changed how I approach my morning routine and now have just a bunch of non-negotiables. Now that said, sometimes I do miss my non-negotiables. You've got to kind of go with the flow a little bit, but don't make excuses. For example, this morning we had some friends over last night and I went to bed later than usual. I got woken up by a lightning strike, had to go and unplug all the things around the house. So I woke up later than usual. So I had an extra sleep. So I actually didn't meditate this morning, which was not ideal. So I'm not making excuses, but you can see how sometimes it does change. But the non-negotials for me now in the present are yoga in a very gentle form. I'm talking about 20 minutes of just warming up my body and ironing out some of those creases from the night. And for that, I use an amazing app called Down Dog, which Melissa and I absolutely love. So definitely check out Down Dog. Then this is relatively new for me, but I've brought breathing into my morning routine. And I think this is somewhat of a missing piece to my daily routine puzzle because I've always known the importance of breath. I've just had so many things in the morning that I just haven't really prioritized breath, but breath is life. Breath is prana in an Ayurvedic sense. It's what gives us life force. And to not have some sort of breath practice, I think, was definitely a shortcoming for me. So I will do a whole episode on this very soon, the different types of yogic breathing you can do. But for now, I'll just say that I do have a yogic breathing practice, which I'm actually really loving. It's really great. And then meditation. From there, I will generally move into Uh, some sort of self-love practice, which is about getting ready for the day. And that will normally involve Abhyanga, which is self-massage with a very special type of oil for my body type, and then have breakfast and then into the workday. But I will also just say the first thing I do when I wake up 
is have two glasses of warm water, definitely warm. You don't want to be drinking cold water in the morning. And with a pinch of salt, just to take any of those buildups overnight and just to help your body pass them out. And yeah, that's kind of my basic routine and it changes. Sometimes a bit of a walk, but I never exercise in the morning because exercise for my body type, which is a vata pitta body type, is best in the early afternoon because it takes me a while to get going. Mm, sounds good. So how about you, babe? So for me, I have a bunch of non-negotiables as well. So I wake up quite early and first thing we do, you forgot to mention this, by the way, is we say good morning and what are three things you're grateful for? Oh, yeah. So we always ask each other three things that we're grateful for and we have some time together. We have a little cuddle most mornings and we have some time to connect. We make sure that we get up a little bit earlier when we've got Leo so that we can have that time together. And then a few things for me that I do every day, every, every single day is meditate, usually twice a day. I am a lot more religious at it than Nick, aren't I? Yeah, I'm working on that. <laughs> so I am very religious at it because it makes me feel so good. I love it. So I usually wake up and do that, meditate straight away. Nick doesn't like to meditate straight away. He likes to kind of do his yoga. And then I'll do some sort of movement. I'll do 10 or 15 minutes of down dog, or I'll go for a walk for an hour. I'm doing 10,000 steps at the moment every day. So this is something that I'm really actively trying to achieve every single day. I didn't realize how sedentary I was. Like, it's crazy. Like, there were some days where I was barely hitting 500 steps. And to me, like, that's just not okay. So, I will go for a walk or I'll do F45. So, meditate first, movement, and then I'll come home, go into the sauna, do some dry body brushing in the sauna, do some oil massage, have a shower and get ready for the day. And then I have a green smoothie and then we get into our work day. Actually, one thing we haven't spoken about, which I think is really important and will flow into some of the wealth questions, is we also read our goals when we wake up as well. And I've actually done an episode on this called Do As Billionaires Do, which is very simple. And I just wanted to mention a couple of episodes, which you may want to check out, which talk about routine. And that is on my podcast, episode number five, The Power of Having a Nighttime Routine, episode 13, My Morning Routine Secret Weapon. And episode 36, the simple things are easy to do, but they are also very easy not to do. And meditation is definitely one of those things. We can often have these beautiful, amazing practices that are really, let's face it, so simple to do some meditation and some yoga if you've got the space, of course, but it's also very easy not to do them. So that's where discipline comes in and where discipline can become freedom. Mm. And for us, you know, there are days where our routines in the morning are shortened and that's okay. We're flexible. And I think it's really important to note that if you have the intention, if you make your health a priority, you're more likely to stick with those things. There's some days where all I fit in is my meditation and that's okay. That's okay. And then for the rest of the day, we kind of head into work and we always stop for a beautiful lunch together. If we're in the same city, we'll stop for a beautiful lunch together. 
usually in the sun on our balcony or out the back, somewhere where we can get some sun and just be really mindful whilst we're eating. We don't have our phones on us. We don't do anything but just be present with our food and really mindful. In the afternoons, we'll go back to some work. We try and wrap up around five o'clock for our second meditation. We eat dinner at 5.30 and then our evenings are for us, our family. We play games with Leo. We laugh. We dance. The boys go and play football down in the garage or out the back. And it's just our time to unwind. And we've been really mindful of setting that boundary because Nick and I are very type A overachieving. Driven. She means driven. Yes. Very driven. And there were times when we first got together, do you remember this? We would work every night. We would sometimes work until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Like even later, I remember working on projects together. And for that time, like we loved it. We love it. But we were incredibly imbalanced, fatigued. And when your body is not imbalanced, that's when dis-ease and disharmony starts to occur. So we have to make sure that we are really staying balanced. And by doing the things like meditation and infrared saunas and moving and yoga and breathing and all of those beautiful things that we do to set ourselves up for success in the morning, we make them a priority because they help us stay balanced. Otherwise, if I just got up and worked and worked and worked all day until the night, I would definitely burn myself out. Yeah, a good example of that is, I mean, I very rarely nap, but just before recording the show, I had an hour-long nap because I could just feel that my body needed extra rest. And again, coming back to the Ayurvedic constitutions, which I always speak about because it makes so much sense. That's a very vital thing to do is to have a nap. But for Melissa, that will just knock her out. She won't be able to sleep tonight if she does that. So we've got very different body types. In the morning, she can get going. She can go to do F45 at 6.45 in the morning. For me, that's like kryptonite. My body's just not ready. My mind's not ready. I need extra time to wake up before I meditate. We basically have pretty much polar body types and we have to honor that as well. Even in the way we eat, we don't eat the same meals because we need different things. We've got different macronutrient needs. So we also are very, very conscious of our differences. It's taken us a while to, to figure those out, but we're very understanding of each other's differences and needs, which I think is really, really important if you're in a relationship as well. Yeah, very good point. The second part to this question, she wanted to know, how did you get started on your health journey? Once you reached that low point in hospital, what were the first steps you took to reclaim your health? Okay, so for me, The first steps were I was reading every blog and book I could get my hands on about health and nutrition. That's what I did. And I went and studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. That was the first thing that I did because I realized that I was very unwell and very unhappy. But the lowest hanging fruit for me was my health. I needed to get my health sorted. I was in hospital and I had my health taken away from me. So for me, I needed to get my health sorted. So I went and studied. That's why I went and studied at IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And it literally changed my life. So if you are just starting on your health journey, I would highly recommend a couple of books There's The Rain Barrel Effect by Dr. Stephen Cabral. 
You could also listen to my episode with him. He's amazing. I would just immerse yourself in all of the amazing health podcasts on my show and on Nick's show and get some of the books that uh, we're about to recommend. And we'll link to all of these books in the show notes as well. So you don't need to write them down. You can just head to the show notes. But I think Dr. Stephen Cabral's The Rain Barrel Effect is an amazing place to start. Also, Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra. Conscious Eating. Who's that by again, Dilling? That is by Gabriel Cousins. What are some other books that you would recommend for someone who's just starting on their health journey or what would you recommend for that person? You know, there's so many books out there. I think anything to do with Ayurveda is going to be really supportive to understand your body type. But I do want to make a suggestion of one book which is more inspiring than anything else and that is Warrior Pose by Bhavaram who's a very dear friend of ours and has also been on the show as well, on Melissa's show. It's Warrior Pose, Memoirs of a War Correspondent, How Yoga Literally Saved My Life. And that book, I believe, for anyone on a health journey is amazing because you can see just how powerful some of these practices can be. And once you read that book, I won't give it away, but if you do, and I highly recommend that you do, it shows you what's possible. You know, when you when you use these practices, I think that's an incredibly effective book. I will reinforce what Melissa said about the rain barrel effect. I think anybody wanting to get well, I think that's an incredible, incredible place to start. And it's easy for us to really focus on the foods, you know, very easy to to look at food as the way out. And I think that is the lowest hanging fruit in many respects. And again, I would probably suggest the rain barrel effect for that and also perfect health by Deepak Chopra. But You know, really don't forget that we get here in these states of dis-ease because of our mind and because of the events that happen to us, that we allow to happen to us as well as the ones that we attract. And it's really, really important that we understand the power of the mind. So anything that really inspires you is going to be really supportive. You could look at something like The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer. I loved that. It allowed me to just relax and not push so hard. And that has an effect on your health. Um, there's books on on sex, which can be really powerful because sex is a very healing energy. Uh, orgasm is a very healing energy. So you can look to Melissa's book, Open Wide, for some of that, or something like Orgasm Unleashed. So, you know, we could go on and on forever about books, but really starting with something like The Rain Barrel Effect, Perfect Health, Warrior Pose, and anything to do with mindset. It could be Life Visioning by Dr. Michael A. Beckwith, these sorts of books will really help you get clear on what it is you want to create and manifest. There's a few more that we've forgotten about. The Glow Kitchen by me, one of my ebooks. We can link to that in the show notes. It's a really great book. And also The Paleo Vedic. That's one of our favorite books, The Paleo Vedic Diet. We'll link to that in the show notes. I've actually had Dr. Akil on my podcast. So that was a life changing book. I actually wrote a blog post called Books That Have Changed My Life. So I can link to that so you can check out all the other recommendations there. So they're great places to start. I hope that helps. All right. Next question is from Marta. How do you stick to good habits? This is a good question. I think most people do definitely struggle with this because it requires a level of discipline. And I actually have done an episode on this as well. Episode number one, living by the code. Now for me, what works for me is that I have a structure. I have rules that I abide by. 
And for me, that really helps me thrive. And I found that it's helped a lot of people thrive. They've really resonated with this particular episode on my show. And in a nutshell, you basically have four different columns. You have a never column, so things that you will never do, an always column, things you'll always do, a conditional column, things that you know obviously are conditional, and an unrestricted column, things that you're allowed to just go for it. That could be making love or going for walks in nature or drinking herbal teas, whatever it is, right? And so, for example, if one of your nevers is to eat beyond 80% full, then that's it. The question's over. You know that your code is that you never eat beyond 80% full. So that really helps you get really clear on what's important to you and it keeps you accountable. And I find it's really powerful if you have a friend or a family member or a partner that you can actually share your code with. And if they see you stepping outside, they can say, hey, that's not in your code. And not everyone needs that, but a lot of people do. And I think that's a really, really powerful tool. It's helped me immensely. I think for me, this is not something I struggle with, is it? No, I I think we all have, you know, different things that we're working on. I mean, there are little things that you're working on as well. I think you've got a lot of the bases covered. And again, it comes down to your constitution as well. Being a pitta cuffer, you have different challenges to a vata pitta like myself. So again, it's, it's so individual and what works for you may not work for the listener. So it's really important to honor that as well. But no, you, you seem to have a lot of this covered. Yeah. Sticking to good habits is just not something that I personally struggle with. And I spoke about this in my episode with Erin Falconer, talking about motivation and procrastination. They're just not things that I struggle with. And I think because I know how good they make me feel. Like, I know how good yoga and meditation and eating organic food makes me feel. So, it's not something that I ever really think about. Like, I don't have to think, oh, I've got to stick to these good habits. I just do because they feel good in my cells. And I am all about doing more of what makes you feel good and less of what doesn't. So, lean into those things that make your cells dance and lean away from the things that don't. It's very, very simple. Yeah, and let's talk about our constitutions quickly because I think this is a really good example of where body types come into play. And so, for example, you're a pitta cuffer. So, your pitta is your drive. It's your internal fire, that type A personality, that will to get things done. And I also have that. But you've also got the cuffer in you as well. So, you do have this drive, but your cuffer is the earthiness in you. It's, it's what keeps you grounded and present. And if you, if you compare that to me being a Vata Pitta, so Vata is the creative, you know, that's where my music and all the businesses and all these things come from. And so when I wake up in the morning, my mind is just, you know, I'm creating the next thing straight away as soon as I wake up. And that's where I want to go. I want to go there. I don't want to sometimes go onto the yoga mat because I'm in this creative state, but I need really desperately at times to, to stay grounded because I don't have the kapha as much as you do, right? So that's a really important thing to, to show. And the challenge for me is that I also have Pitta. Now, Pitta being the drive means that I'm also extremely driven, but because I have Vata, it means that it can burn my Vata out very quickly. So if I'm not careful, I can burn myself out because I don't have the resilience of the Kapha that you have. So I think that also comes into play. The amount of balance that I need to do 
for example, the, the type of exercise that is good for my body is more gentle. Whereas you can get away with their 45. That just, to me, is like, it's total kryptonite, right? So I think that also plays a key role. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been told? Mm, so good. I think there's one ultimate truth, and that is to be love. Who told you that? Jesus. I reckon I did. <laughs> yeah, no. When Melissa and I met, I was really, really astounded at the amount of dialogue there was around love because I, I definitely lived from that place. If I didn't, I couldn't have attracted Melissa, but I'd never met someone who really embodied that on such a, a true level in all areas of her life. So when we started writing on our glass in this removable sort of crayon, be love, it really became my mantra and it still is my mantra. And it's always that guiding light that when you get lost, when you feel like you know, you're in the heat of an argument or you don't know how to react to any particular situation, if you return to love, that is always a really good internal compass. And it's still written on our glass, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's not coming off either. So the best piece of advice that I've ever been given, I mean, this is such a deep question. I mean, there's so many pieces of advice, but I think- Say yes to your husband. Marry me. How is that a piece of advice? Who gave me that? No one gave me that advice. Yeah, the universe said, this is a great idea, Melissa. you got to do it. I don't think that's what they mean, honey. The first thing that came to my mind was being told you've got to be your own best friend. And a few people told me this when I was younger and I thought, whatever. No, I've got heaps of best friends. I don't need to be my own best friend. And I remember being in primary school in year five or six when I first heard that and it hit me, but it didn't sink in. And now reflecting back, I'm like, that was the best piece of advice that I was given at that time. If only I'd soaked it up and really listened to it. Because we really do need to be our own best friend and we need to teach our children this. When you are your own best friend and you love yourself unconditionally and wholeheartedly, you will treat yourself very differently. Very, very differently. So become your own best friend, love yourself unconditionally, and teach your children that as well. I think it's a good opportunity to add one more. I know you asked for the best piece of advice, but. I mean, there's so many. And I think if we look at one tool, which Melissa and I just feel is really the key, right? It's really the key. And that is meditation. And it's one of the reasons we're currently going through the One Giant Mind. It's a new uh, certification process. And it's one of the reasons we're going through that to become certified teachers. And whether or not we teach, you know, we'll, we'll look at that later. But for now, it's about ingraining this knowledge into our life at a deeper level and being able to speak about this with authority. And the simple practice of meditating, I'd have to say, I wouldn't be sitting next to you right now if I hadn't meditated and, and nor would you. Because we managed to do enough work on ourselves through this process of self-purification that meditation takes you through to be able to see the truth. You know, so when we came across each other's paths and the time was right, we saw it. And I think without that sort of tool, we would never be together. But even just from a basic level, we're talking about health here. Meditation is 
really the ultimate tool to calm your nervous system. And with 96% of diseases being caused by stress, everyone's nervous systems can be chilled out. You know, and I think, I can't remember who told me to meditate first. I'm not too sure. It was probably just more of an intuition for myself. And it's been 10 years now doing Vedic meditation. But without that, I can guarantee you, I would not have the keys to the matrix. I would not be able to see the things that I've been able to see and create without that. It's as simple as that. And I think if you don't have meditation practice, that is the place to start with everything. Totally agree. So Laura Mitchell wants to know, what is my daily skincare routine? Well, this won't take long because it's pretty simple. It's very, very simple. I am very basic. I use doTERRA essential oils and a carrier oil, either a fractionated coconut oil or an olive oil. And basically for my body, I lather myself in those beautiful oils that my soul intuitively chooses that day. And for my face, I usually use whatever's leftover residue on my hands from that I've rubbed all over my body and I just rub that over my face. That's it. And how about cleaning your skin? I use a face washer. In the shower? In the shower. That's it. And I use coconut oil to take off my mascara whenever I wear mascara, which is probably once every two weeks if I'm filming something. I have three items in my makeup bag. I use a powder, a blush, and a mascara, three things, all organic because our skin is our largest organ and whatever we put on it topically gets absorbed straight into our bloodstream. So every single thing I put on my body is organic and of the highest grade and purest form because our livers are working in overdrive to try and detox all the crap that is in our environment and and in our food. So I don't want to add to that toxic load. So for me and Nick and Leo, Everything in our home is organic and very, very, very clean. Yeah. And before I tell you my skincare routine, I want to say that we were actually speaking about your skin at lunchtime today and reflecting on how our bodies have changed since we met, which I find really interesting because when we met, Melissa had quite a few pimples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is also a sign of an overactive or imbalanced pitta because that internal fire when it's too hot, creates inflammation in the body. And one of the ways to get that heat out is through the skin. And pimples are often a manifestation of a pitta imbalance, which is why teenagers often get it because the teenage years is when you click into that first pitta cycle of the life. So, but Melissa, we were speaking about this because we were actually talking about how much we love our bodies, you know, and how happy we are with our, with our physical body. Melissa, when we first met, had more inflammation in her body, which again is more of a pitta thing and quite a few pimples. And that's changed completely. Your skin, it glows like you've got makeup on all the time. It's unbelievable. And that comes down to you having really been able to take the time to tune in to what's right for you. And again, keep coming back to Ayurveda because, and by the way, we get pulled up on how we pronounce Ayurveda. We know how to pronounce it. It's actually Ayurved. Yeah, because they don't say, Uh, they don't say ours. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's, we know how to say it, but it feels like... Whatever, like yeah. however you want to say it, just say it. If you're in Australia, you'd say Ayurveda. No, that's Ayurveda? American. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was American. 
but Melissa's come to understand what works for her body, what creates inflammation, and what doesn't, and what makes her body thrive. And to be honest, it's very different to how it was when we met. We both went through a phase where we had to eat way more animal protein. Our bodies were requiring that strength at that time. And now it's a very, very different picture. Our diets are completely different. You know, these things are always in a state of flux and we never really speak too much about what we eat because what we eat is really irrelevant to what you eat because we're all completely different in a hundred gazillion ways. So anyway, just wanted to mention that that was interesting that we were speaking about it this morning. My routine is similar, face washer in the shower and I don't really ever get pimples or anything like that. Very, very rarely, maybe once a year or something because that internal heat is not an issue for me, the pitta. But I literally, I change all the time. At the moment, I'm actually putting CBD oil on my face. And CBD is actually potent anti-inflammatory. And I'm just trialing that out. I also have a specific type of oil with lots of different herbs in it, which comes from India. It's specifically for my body type right now. And that might change in three weeks. But that works for my Vata Pitta constitution, and I'm putting that on my face, and and it actually gives the most amazing little tan color. It's slightly orange, so I quite like it. And that's it. Mm, interesting. I didn't know you're doing that with your face, putting CBD oil on there. Couldn't you smell it? No, I couldn't actually. Yeah. It's probably all the beautiful DoTerra oils that I can just smell that override the CBD oil. Speaking of oils, what are your favorite oils at the moment? I'm obsessed with rose and jasmine. They're just delicious. Yeah, actually, Melissa brought up two jasmine oils by mistake instead of one because we're in Noosa at the moment. And so I've been carrying that jasmine in my pocket and rubbing it on my <laughs> neck. It is amazing. And look, again, Vata loves sweet. Love sweet. It's very uplifting for the Vata body type. So putting jasmine on my neck, it may not be the most masculine oil in the world, but man, it freaking is so good. It sure is. All right, next question. How did I overcome chronic fatigue and you mold toxicity issues? Okay, so this is a really ginormous question and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but what I'm going to say, if you have any sort of chronic fatigue or any sort of disharmony, dis-ease in your body, you have to take a holistic approach. Yes. Food, look at the food you're eating. Get rid of all the toxicity, the gluten, the sugar, the dairy. Get rid of all of that stuff. Yes, food is one element. But then, and especially if you've got chronic fatigue, you know, look at the movement, walking in nature, doing yin yoga. Then you've got to be making sure that you're detoxing if you've got something like mold toxicity. But you've also got to be looking at meditation. So wherever you are in your health journey, Wherever you sit right now, please take a holistic approach. It's not just about what you eat. It's not just about your mindset. You have to look at everything, you know, making sure that your nervous system is getting out of fight or flight and coming into rest and digest. So that would be my advice. What's yours, honey? I mean, I agree totally. It is definitely a holistic approach. And no matter where you're at right now, whether it is thriving or struggling, the practices are the same. They should never change. We all have to do the same things to thrive. And spending time in nature is a key thing. It's a really, really key thing. You know, spending time with Mother Nature, 
getting your feet in the dirt or the sand or the ocean. Because, you know, living in cities, we become so divorced from nature. No wonder. We, we are Mother Nature. We're the embodiment of Mother Nature, yet we divorce ourselves from it. So, of course, we're going to feel the lack of energy because our energy comes from Mother Nature, right? So, definitely looking at that, definitely looking at meditation, yoga, breathing practices, of course, all these things, they're all low-hanging fruit. But I think it's really important to have a spiritual practice. When I say spiritual, I mean, spirit really is just, you know, it's the essence of you. And it's what it is to be human. And spirit comes from the Latin word speratus, I think you say it, which means to breathe. And how beautiful is that? How often do we just take time out to breathe, to just be? When was the last time you just did nothing? Didn't look at your phone, just sat. I'm working on that one. She is. Yeah, she's definitely working on that one. But, you know, it is definitely a holistic approach. You have to do everything. And I do want to say that when it comes to things like Lyme's disease and mold, you know, yes, okay, I've been there and I may have tested positive for mold or tested positive for Lyme's, but that's not the problem. They're just manifestations that I'm off track. I allowed that into my life. I allowed that level of toxicity into my body. Why? Because I was living a life that wasn't on purpose, right? So, and the body responds. I think people tend to look at, oh my God, I've got MTHFR. Oh my God, I've got pyroles. Oh my God, I've got celiac. Oh my God, I've got Lyme's or chronic fatigue. And they zone in on that as the source of all their problems, or they've got lectin sensitivity or whatever it is, right? And they- It's all just labels. It's just labels. And we've got to remove the labels and remember that we are a- being in our totality, which means that we have all the different aspects to ourselves that need to be addressed. And if we just look at one thing, let's say you decide to go after Lyme's disease and you take antibiotics, well, what disease are you going to create? What imbalance are you going to create by going after it with one mode of treatment? If you're going after mold and you think you've just got to detoxify yourself nonstop to get rid of it, well, how are you going to deplete your immune system in the process of just constantly detoxing? You know, it's about balance. And what the body does And what the body loves is it loves balance. It loves to come back to its center, homeostasis, right? And in Ayurvedic world, you would talk about the fact that you balance your doshas. We are all born with the prakriti, which is the inherent doshas that we're born with. As I keep saying, I'm Vata Pitta, Melissa is Pitta Kapha. That doesn't change, but the imbalances change, right? So if you're overweight, well, there is a Kapha imbalance. If you have eczema and, and hives and pimples, there's a Pitta imbalance. If you can't put weight on and you bloat after every single meal and you're skinny and you have low energy, well, it's a, it's a vata imbalance. So we have to look at everything. And when we address everything, when we're meditating, when we're breathing, we're bringing prana, life force into our bodies, into our souls, and we're doing all these different practices, we're mindfully eating, we are being respectful of the food we put in our bodies, we are being grateful for the food that we put in our bodies. When we start to have these practices, our bodies start to just chill and they start singing, they start becoming happy again. And when your body's happy, well, your immune system strengthens, of course. And what happens to things like Lyme disease? You forget, I forgot I even had that because I didn't focus on it. I never went after it. I just focused on my life as a whole. And don't take that as medical advice. I'm not a doctor. But from my personal experience, when we go after one thing, we create an imbalance somewhere else. So that's really, really important to remember. I think the fear is more harmful. The fear of the label. The fear of the label. Yeah. It's like 
that breeds and spreads like wildfire. And I know because I've been there. And when you let go of the fear and let go of the labels, your body can then come back into balance. Your body is craving homeostasis. Your body has an innate, infinite GPS system for perfect health, as Deepak Chopra calls it. And it always wants to be thriving. Your body wants to thrive. It doesn't want disharmony. It doesn't want dis-ease. It wants to thrive. But you need to create the perfect environment in order for it to thrive. And that starts with your thoughts. So if you are having these toxic fear-based thoughts, that's the first place we need to look. Then, you know, look at all the other areas, but that it starts in the mind. It does. And when you have something going on in your body that is upsetting or just frustrating you, and I'll use some personal examples. I have one toe, which has fungus in it. Like it's brick, it's been there since 2008. And that is my reminder that I have some work to do. There's still something there. And so we can look at our bodies as the messenger. Melissa sometimes gets a tiny bit of eczema underneath her wedding ring. And to her, that's her reminder. Oh, okay, cool. Because when she's out of balance, it flares up, you know? So it's a really looking at the body as a messenger and going, thank you so much for putting that massive zit on my cheek because I see it. Thank you. You put it right where I can't miss it. I appreciate it. I can see I've got an imbalance and I'm going to I'm going to use that to remind myself to get back into balance. So please be kind to yourself. Be gentle to yourself. Your body is a beautiful messenger and it's just trying to support your personal growth, your, the development of your consciousness. Your body is the vehicle and it gives you these little hints all the time. And the doctors put a label on it of limes or whatever it is that, you know, that they've told you. But really, it's just a reminder to come back to your truth. And if you want to see what fear can do, Check out my episode number 25 and 26 on my show. 25 was called I Think I Was Enlightened and 26 was My Depression Confession. If you want to see what fear can do to you, they are two great shows to listen to. They sure are and we can link to them in the show notes. But let's move on now to some wealth questions. Okay, so... The first question is, I'm curious about a manifestation mindset. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, that's, that's a big, broad, beautiful question. I will just bring one simple statement in, which I've seen really support a lot of people. And it's not mine. Nothing's mine. Nothing's original. It's just, we're all just saying things with our own unique flavor on it. And this is very simple. So I'd write this down. You attract what you fear, you repel what you want. So if we break that down, if you fear not having enough money to pay your bills, what do you think the universe is going to give you? Is it just going to kindly hand you all this abundance? Or is it going to give you not enough so that you can't pay your bills? Because the only way for you to learn is to actually find yourself in that situation, right? So... You attract what you fear. You can look at so many areas of your life. If you fear not having a soulmate or a partner, are you going to attract one? It's that 
fear-based energy. It's all about where you're coming from. So when you're manifesting, where are you coming from? Like, are you coming from that fear-lack place? Like, oh my God, I need a soulmate. Oh my God, I'm never going to be able to afford this. Oh my God, I'm never going to heal. You know, what is the place that you're coming from? This is really important when you're manifesting. Where are you coming from? Are you coming from fear or love? So if you want to manifest something, tune in to the place that you're coming from. Am I coming from fear or am I coming from love? Totally. And if you want something, if you really want something so badly, it's not going to be gifted to you just because you want it, right? Because if you want something from a place of fear, like I want money, I want money, I really want some money, and it's coming from desperation, you're going to repel the very thing that you want. So that's where that comes in, the attracting what you fear, repelling what you want. It's really, really important when it comes to abundance, really important. And there's an episode you can check out, episode number 37 on my show called Do As Billionaires Do. Very simple practice you can do twice a day, which will just help you fine-tune your mind and get into the feeling level of what it is you want to create and doing it from a place of love and not from a place of fear. I think it's really important. Like I said, tune in. Where are you manifesting from? What place are you manifesting on? Nick always jokes that I have magical manifesting fairy dust. And whenever we want to manifest something, he's like, can you sprinkle some of your dust? And it works like it does because of the place that I'm manifesting from. I'm, I'm manifesting from that overjoyed, love, heart-centered place, not from fear. So the key to manifestation is tuning in to the place that you're manifesting from. Yeah. I'd have to say also, you always refer to me as not having any limiting beliefs around money, right? He doesn't. He has no money blocks. Yes, but it wasn't always that way for me because- I have been through my fair share of struggle, trust me. And initially was being a young musician and having to get by on, you know, a career that was just starting out. And that changed in the years that came after that. But I always wondered, am I ever going to have enough? Now, what happens when you have that thought? It's so dangerous because you're not going to have enough if you have that thought, right? And what really helped me move through a lot of this stuff, to be perfectly honest, was just taking action. And we tell ourselves so many freaking lies, so many lies about ourselves. We just have to stop with that eventually and just move forward with what's true for us. And I managed to create wealth through real estate as well, but I had to push to create that. It wasn't my truth. And it made me unwell because I was creating it from a position of push. It wasn't until I really took a step back and trusted, just trusted that my truth would always bring whatever wealth and abundance was needed for me, whatever is appropriate in this lifetime in this body that I would get by being true to myself. Now, for some that might just be having a really simple, beautiful life doing what they love. We don't all have to have millions, gazillions in the bank, right? And for others, that might mean manifesting a hell of a lot of money. And for us, We've been able to create a really beautiful life doing what we love, but it didn't happen overnight. We had to do all the work that we spoke about in the very first question, you know, all the practices that we do each day, they're all part of it. It is also a very holistic thing. Yeah, I agree. All right. The next question comes from Gypsy Heart Yogi. 
I would love to know how you encourage new entrepreneurs who are not financially ready to take the leap into following their passion, trusting that the right abundance will come to them at the right moment. You want to go first? Yeah, it sort of comes back to what I was saying before about taking action. Look, even if you're not financially in a position to just jump into your passion, totally understand it. I get it. I had to do transitional periods as well, moving from different careers. So, it is a balancing act and we have obligations and things we have to pay for. So, we have to be responsible, right? We've got to be responsible, especially if we have families. If there is something that lights you up, like really lights you up, one of the best things you can do is just do that thing every day, whatever it is. Now, if you can do it for an hour, your track, your path to moving into that as a full-time thing will be faster. If you do it for 10 minutes, it'll keep the dream alive. But just doing what you love every day will set you on the right path. But every single person can do one thing, and that is to figure out, okay, what is the next step, the next logical step I have to take to move this passion, this purpose of mine forward? There's always one next step. It might just be one email. It might just be one phone call. If you chunk it down into just steps, that's really going to help you because one step is something that every single person can do and it keeps you moving in the right direction. So starting there, I think, is a really good place. And I'd just add to that, it's okay to be in a position where you haven't taken that leap yet but you know you want to, but maybe financially you have to stay in this job. There's two things you can do. Like what Nick said, keep taking action every day toward your dream business, your dream passion or whatever it is. Take action every single day, but also find the gratitude in your current job because otherwise it's going to be torture. You're going to hate it and resent every second while you're there. And that is no fun for anyone. So, Find the gratitude. Be grateful that you have a job that's paying your rent. Be grateful that, you know, the nice person that you get to sit next to at work, find the joy, find the gratitude in your transitional job. That is going to help you on your path of transition, but also make you happy. Yeah. And also, you know, money is just energy, right? It's going to flow whether you like it or not. And so, what we want to do is create things in our life that attract it into our life, to attract that energy. The universe wants to know that you are a safe place, a safe vessel to send abundance to, right? And if you don't have some bases covered, like even, you know, we're, we're very, very particular about our money. We protect our money in a way that's not anal or ridiculous, but we know our numbers. We look at our numbers. We understand them. We don't have bank accounts that have fees because you don't have to. So why would we? We're very conscious consumers, very mindful. Correct. So, letting the universe know you're a safe place to send this energy to is really important. Okay. And I've got podcasts on that as well. And I think, honestly, one of the most powerful things you can do, if you want to create more wealth, more monetary wealth, and there's no harm in that, let me tell you, we're not here to suffer. There are people suffering all around the world. Of course there is. Doesn't mean that has to be our reality, right? If we can thrive, we can do more and be more in the world. We have more choices, more freedom 
to have greater impact. So one of the easiest ways to start letting the universe know that, you know what, I'm worthy, is to tithe, to give money. It's often a very foreign feeling for people because bills might be tight, for example. But if you get into the feeling of giving your wealth and sharing that with other people, because your wealth, let's say it's $5, that's a lot of money to a Nepalese farmer. So if you can find it in you to connect with an organization that you really love, then I I can actually mention a few which we love, and that is Days for Girls. I've just come back from Nepal working with Days for Girls and also Choice Humanitarian. Highly, highly recommend checking those out. They're just stunning, very impactful organizations. And the doTERRA Healing Hands Foundation. Unbelievable what these three organizations can achieve. It blows my mind. And even just setting up, we've just set up a basic recurring monthly donation to Choice Humanitarian, to doTERRA. We do that because not even our money, like it's just, it just goes. It's energy. It's going to come back. It doesn't have to come back in, in the form of money. It can come back in the form of love. The most important thing is to be abundant enough to give. And the faster you start to give, the more the universe will start to reward you. I think this is a really good segue into Jessica Ten's question. I would love to hear more about rewriting our money story and fostering an abundance mindset and manifesting wealth. This is where it all starts. And we have got to rewrite our money stories. If you're anything like me, I grew up in a very Catholic Italian family where you've got to work hard, you got to flog it out. That was the mentality that I witnessed. And it wasn't until I hit rock bottom in 2010 that I was laying in hospital and I realized that, hang on a minute, this isn't my money belief. This is my dad's. And this isn't my belief around health. This is so-and-so's. And so I went through all the different areas of my life, relationships, parenting, spirituality, and I was like, these aren't even mine. And that's why chapter four, Dive Into Your Ocean, in my book, Open Wide, is so important. It's about getting really clear on your core values and your beliefs so that you can call in someone who is aligned. But before I talk about that, let's go back to rewriting your money story. It is imperative. It is so imperative. I would literally write a love letter to money. This is what um, Peter Kelly, one of our beautiful friends, talks about. I've had her on the show twice. Check out her episodes on my podcast. Oh my gosh, life-changing. So, so, so good. In particular, her first episode about financially freeing yourself is just amazing. But she says, you've got to write a love letter to money. Say sorry for the way that you treat it because guess what? Just like the universe, money has ears. And if you keep talking shit about money, it's not going to come to you. It's like, F you. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go over here to Nick, who's got a really nice relationship with money and who loves me and who is very grateful for me and who says thank you every time I buy an organic apple. You know, so money's like, see you later. You're talking shit about me. I'm going to go over here to Nick. And I'm going to flow abundantly to Nick because he's so grateful and he's so nice to me. 
And I know that he'll do something good with it. Exactly. I know he's going to funnel it into all of these different areas. And so I'm going to go over there. So first of all, write a love letter to money. Dear money, I am so sorry for talking shit about you. I am so sorry for being so mean to you and for thinking that you are not abundant. So write a big love letter to money. I did this years ago and it was life-changing. And then you rewrite your money story. You literally rewrite your money story. You print it out, you stick it beside your bed and you read it every single day, every morning and every night until it's so deeply ingrained within you that you don't ever replay your old money story again. That is how we rewrite our beliefs. That is how we rewrite our limiting stories. And that is the only way that you're going to rewire. So just to show that we are totally freaking human, because we're not preaching from some perfect ivory tower, trust me. Melissa, what would be one of your beliefs right now around money, which you're working through? Okay, so we are currently renovating a house in Noosa. We're renovating our Noosa home. And there are, okay, for example, yesterday we're at the bathroom place and Nick's wanting these very expensive gold taps. Darling, they're not gold. It's eco brass. Or they're brushed gold, aren't they? Called brushed gold, something like that. Eco brass, I don't know. They're really beautiful, like beyond beautiful. And I noticed, this was just yesterday, I noticed my old money story tapped me on the shoulder. It went, you can't afford that. That's a bit extreme, don't you think, Melissa? This is what my main girl was telling me. That's a bit extreme, Melissa. You don't need the brushed gold taps. It's true. We don't need them. Yes. But do we really want them? Yeah. But from a place of love. Exactly. So yesterday, sitting in the bathroom place, my mean girl taps me on the shoulder and starts trying to get me to live my old money story. And in that moment, I was just so aware of it. I had a little laugh to myself. And here I am sitting next to my husband who just has the most abundant mindset. He doesn't get these little taps on his shoulder from his bad boy. He is my biggest inspiration around money and abundance. You are. You're my biggest inspiration. (laughs) Thank you. It's pretty funny though because I literally just had to say zip it. Like stop because I'm like we're having (laughs) – it came down to in each bathroom having a hand shower, right? And my main girl's like, you don't need the hand shower. You don't need the hand shower. It's another $1,500. You don't need the hand shower. Yeah, but I'm thinking, hang on, who cleans the shower? It's me. And at the moment, in the shower we have in Bondi, I have to fill up. (laughs) It takes me forever to fill this little thing up that I can rinse the walls down. I'm thinking, all right, I never want to sell this home. If we're going to be there for the rest of our lives- I ain't freaking filling up that little bucket. I want the eco brass and shower. It's going to make it so much easier to have a hose I can freaking wash the shower with. And I'm thinking, now's the time to to do that. It never, the money never crossed my mind. And it got to that point where it was just like, all right, enough, like zip it now. Okay, done. It's not my stuff. We're getting them done. And because I was aware of it, I was able to have a little chuckle at my mean girl and moved on. And just so you know, we did get the shower. 
I'm still battling her on the electric <laughs> electric louvers. We don't need the electric louvers. Listen, okay, here's the deal, right? In this place, we've got four and a half meter ceilings and these beautiful louvers right up at the very top, about four meters high. You can't reach them. So she wants to have a stupid, ridiculous telescopic pole. It's a stick. It's a stick that, and with, when we bought this place, she's like, oh God, got to get rid of that stick. Now she wants the damn stick because it costs more money to have them made electric. I'm thinking, no, now is the time because you know what? It'll be me, the one carrying that stick around doing the windows. So we're still, well, I'll let her think that we're still debating it, but we're going to get the mechanical louvers, darling. Suck it up. Oh, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Let me know what you think. And, you know, it might almost sound self-indulgent, but the thing is, as I said before, we're not here to to feel guilty about anything that we have in our life because we know that we're doing work which is giving back and we're also giving money all the time, right? So, as long as we're contributing and it's not all about us, then why not create a beautiful home wellness oasis, right? Why not? Why can't that be our reality? Why can't that be your reality? And that's what we wanted. Now, there's a very interesting story around this home. And I think I should tell it because it really does just represent so much about this question. And that's really simple. We were just kind of joking around about what would be like the best situation for properties for us. Like, how could we set that up? And we've always loved Noosa so much. We got married here. My parents have a beautiful property, which is where we're recording this right now. It's on 30 acres in the hinterland and we love it. And one day we'd love to end up here, but that's not going to happen right now. And we have a home in Bondi. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a place right on the beach? You know, just so we could, didn't have to park. We could just be there, do our favorite walk, go surfing, all that sort of stuff. And we were on the plane on the way up to Noosa before Christmas, just kind of fantasizing about it, you know, putting it out there. We arrive at my parents' place and open on the bench top is the local property paper. And it's open on this property. Now, we weren't looking to buy anything at that time. And I said to my dad, dad, what's, what's that? That looks really cool. That's like the spot, right? He said, yeah, no, it looks really interesting, doesn't it? Because my family is a real property family. So, we love looking at property. So, we just thought, as we do, let's go and have a look. So, we go and have a look and we walk in and immediately I knew that this was part of our soul calling was to create roots here, to be there. And out of nowhere, just by having this feeling, this almost a dream, it just landed in our laps. And even to the extent that some of the the wealth needed to feel comfortable buying that property came between that moment and the auction. It's just amazing how the universe works. It is, look, it might sound woo-woo, and as I always say, the woo-woo is true-true. There is nothing else than the woo-woo. We are big bags of woo-woo walking around, just playing the game. So once you know the rules, it makes it so much easier. And I'm going to keep coming back to this, but meditation is one of the main keys to the matrix. It's one of the things that allows you to see through the game. So yeah, just wanted to share that little story. Meditation also keeps you as a clear vessel for the energy to flow through you. And just like everything is energy, money is energy, and it needs to be circulated, and it gets circulated through clear vessels. So every time you meditate, it's almost like cleaning the pipes 
That's why a daily meditation practice is so important. It's so important. I can't stress it enough. And as soon as we finish recording this, we're going to go do our second meditation for the day. It's so important. If you want money and abundance to circulate through you, then you've got to be a clear energy vessel, open vessel for it to circulate. So just remember that one. All right, let's move on to the next question. All right, raw by nature. I'd love to hear the ways in which you both continue to inspire and encourage one another to keep growing, evolving, and following your dreams, even when you face setbacks. Okay, so the way that we continue to inspire and encourage each other is through by being the example. That's it. You cannot fix change or expect anyone else to do anything if you're not doing it yourself. And the only way that I'm going to inspire Nick is by doing the work myself, is by continuously showing up myself, continuously doing the work on myself. That's how I'm going to inspire him and encourage him and support him on his journey. Yeah. If you listen to my song, The One, which is written about Melissa, some of the lyrics in there are, you're such a shiny mirror. You force me to surrender. And I have to say, you know, Melissa is a very shiny mirror. And even just last night, I think it was, we were having a conversation around health. And while Melissa may have some beliefs and blocks around wealth, I have some around health. And Melissa is the very shiny example, just like I am for her in the money mindset. And so she is the example. She balances that out and she always is the reminder to me that there is another way. And sometimes she has to say it and sometimes she just is it. Last night we had a conversation about it because she just wanted to call me out on a couple of things that she noticed. And I think also, as you talk about in your book, the crystal clear communication, when you can talk about these things from a place of love, which is what you did very artfully last night, because it's a sensitive topic for me sometimes, I'm still fine-tuning my health on some levels. And that's only because I have a belief around it, which I'm still moving through. Oh my God, you're human? A little bit. Are you? Yeah. Oh my God, everyone thinks you're perfect. So being the example, as Melissa said, is so important, but also being true to yourself and to your partner is really important because you have to speak up when you feel like something needs to be called out. And we've done this before many times in the past where we've actually just drawn the line in the sand sometimes and just gone, enough. This is not good enough. I no longer accept this. I'm not willing to be a part of this anymore. Not the relationship, but the, the behavior. And we've had to do that on a few occasions for each other where it's, it's just like, I'm drawing a line in the sand. She sent me away once, you know, get out of here. Didn't I send you away for three weeks? Yeah, it was awesome. Are you being sarcastic? No, it was good because it's what I needed. He was such a pain in the cooler. Seriously. Well, yeah. And to be honest, it was a necessary pain because it was pretty much all of 2017. I was a pain in the ass. And you can hear about that in, is it Depression Confession episode? 20, 25 and 26. Yeah, go listen to what he went through last year and the pain in the butt. But here's the thing, when we come through the other side of these experiences, 
that whole experience for me last year, I'd never experienced depression before. And how am I to speak about life, to be on stage, if I have not actually experienced the polarity of that? Because I have had a very charmed life in many, many ways. So there's two ways to look at it when it comes to depression in inverted commas. Really, number one, I was just off track. You know, I was off track. Number two, you get to a point in your own spiritual journey, your spiritual evolution, where you start to burn off a lot of beliefs and a lot of who you thought you were. And that process of purification is pretty painful. It was necessary for me to go through, and I've come through that. I'm a much better human. That's not, it's not a part of my life. I doubt it ever will be again. But it was necessary for Melissa to draw the line in the sand because I was treating her in a way which was not acceptable to her anymore. And so she kicked me out and it was great. <laughs> it worked. You know, it gave me a lot of perspective and I came back a different person. It still took me a few months to really move beyond it. And to be honest, doing my show was one of the key things because I became of service and coming back to wealth and health and everything in your life. When you can tap into something which is you being of service to others when you are part of something bigger than yourself and your energy is going out to support the greater good, again, you get handsomely rewarded. Mm-hmm, you sure do. All right. The next question, how do I figure out my life's purpose or my dream job? This came up actually a few times. So, let's, let's chat about this. Like For someone who is unsure of their purpose, their passion, how to find their dream job, what would you say? I mean, yeah, what would you say? Yeah, you know, it's a challenging one because I think, especially now with social media, as much as I love Instagram, I think it's an incredible tool. It's very easy for people to get stuck in that cycle of comparisonitis. Oh my God, look at her. She's an author. Oh my God, look at her. She makes money from just being an influencer in inverted commas. And we can often think we need to be doing more than what we're already doing because we're seeing all the time other people doing things that may be aspirational or that may create envy. And sometimes we just got to kind of chill out, you know, because life's not a race. You know, all the money stuff for me didn't really click until the last few years. I'm 40 this year, you know, so I've had to, I've had to earn that. I've had to make all the so-called mistakes slash lessons to get to where I am now. But when it comes to purpose, I think deep down, deep down, there is always a calling of some sort. And it doesn't have to be writing music. It doesn't have to be painting or writing books. It's different for every single person. It could be being the best mother to your children. That could be your purpose. Sometimes we just got to chill the, you know what, out and just take a step back and don't think we have to be this great big thing. It doesn't have to be that way. We all have different callings and purposes in life. So if you do a quick exercise, close your eyes if you're not driving and imagine you're in bed and you've just woken up from the most beautiful sleep. You feel nourished. You feel alive. You feel excited about the day. And you know that you do not have to think about money. It's all covered, totally covered. For the rest of your life. Never again. All your needs, all your dreams covered. So you get out of bed and what do you do next? Apart from your morning routine. But what do you do that day? What do you do with your time? 
What do you naturally gravitate towards? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Whatever the first thing is, capture it. And I would add to that, writing out your perfect day or writing out your dream day. Yeah, totally. And working backwards. Okay, so this is my dream day. What do I then have to do? What inspired action do I have to take? Coming back to what Nick was saying before, what is the one thing I can do today to take me one step closer to that? I also wanted to say, finding your passion and your purpose, start doing more of the things that light you up and quit doing things that don't. That's a great way to sift out the things that aren't lighting you up and and lean more into the things that are. I think also just from a basic feeling level, we know in our cells, and I wrote about this in my song Bones, oh, I never saw the metaphor. I'm taking all the hits head on. I feel it in my bones, right? When I was in real estate, I was taking all the hits, man. I was like just copying it. I was pushing through it, pushing, 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 creating material wealth and doing my best to do that. And I just kept getting smashed with this feeling in my bones. It was, just wasn't true to me. So if we tune in, we can feel almost at a cellular level, the things that make ourselves dance and the things that makes ourselves really uncomfortable. And I think this answers one of the questions, which is by Amanda VS. How did you know where to start your career journey? How to get unstuck when feeling overwhelmed and get, not get sidetracked with what everyone else is doing? Forget what everyone else is doing. Let go of the comparison-itis and stay in your own lane. And I think it's really important, like Nick has created a lot of abundance and wealth and material wealth many years ago when you were in real estate, but it was all created from fear. And guess what happened? Guess what he manifested to happen? I lost it all. He lost it all. Every cent he lost. Not totally true. I had about $25,000, which in comparison to what I did have before that was very little. So, I had this tiny bit of money, but that little bit of money, it sort of fed me for a little while and it gave me the space, just enough space. And with that, you had to get a new home. You had to, you weren't working at that time. Had to get a car. You had to get a car and you had to support Leo and his school fees and you were a single dad. Totally. And I'm super grateful for that lesson because what it taught me is that when you create things from a level of push, and you push, 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 it is going to create an imbalance somewhere, right? And for me, in that case, my imbalance came in the form of health. And then that wealth was taken from me. It went to someone else. Someone else called it in. Good on them. Good luck to them. It was circulated to them. It went and tapped them on the shoulder. It's like creativity. You know, there's all these entities that are floating up around us that are waiting to be expressed through you, just like money is waiting to be expressed through you. And it's just waiting and waiting and waiting. And if you're not ready, it's just going to be like, see you later. I'm going to go tap someone else on the shoulder. I have to add as well, in that time, I was so, so stressed financially. It was such a difficult period for me. And it was literally a month to month, week to week basis for me of trying to figure out how I was going to juggle it all. And I won't go into details, but there was a lot of things that I had commitments to that I had to manage. And that feeling was so, so difficult, so difficult, right? It was so uncomfortable. I could feel it in my bones. And I'm saying that because I've been there, 
Like I know what it feels like 100%. And what was important about being in that position, and you've been there too, Melissa, you had no money, you were sleeping on a friend's rollout couch, you literally had nothing. It was one of the fold-out single hospitals, hospital beds that kind of like folds up together and then goes outward. And it actually caused serious back injury. Yeah, and I will say that when I say $25,000, that was at a time when my lifestyle was costing that much to live per month when you have mortgages and, you know, just extravagant living, right? School fees. Just so much stuff going out. I was just this vessel of out, 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 (laughs) and the money stopped coming in, 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 and that was very uncomfortable. But the feeling I got from that, I will never forget that. And this was an important lesson for me because when we first met, Melissa knew that that there were certain non-negotiables for me when it came to money. And I never, ever wanted to put myself in a position where I felt stretched, where I felt uncomfortable because I'd been there before. And I only ever wanted to be in a place of abundance and a place of, I guess, comfort, knowing that whatever financial decisions we made, that we had it covered and it wasn't going to create any stress, right? So, I took the lessons from that and that is now one of my GPSs is to not go back to that feeling. So that was really, really important lesson for me. Mm, Good one. All right, let's move on to the last wealth question and we'll get through this one quickly. Hannah Smith, how do you find motivation and just get started? How do you know when to quit something if you're not a quitter? This kind of motivation, procrastination, organization are not something I struggle with. And I spoke a lot about this in my podcast episode with Erin Falconer. So go and listen to that. She wrote a whole book on how to get shit done, doing less, but achieving more. It's an amazing podcast. Go and listen to it. But if you are struggling with motivation, organization, and procrastination, I would ask yourself why. Because when you are doing what your soul is here to do, motivation and procrastination are not an issue. I would disagree. Enlighten me. (laughs) Well, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I've known since I was a child that music is in me. Whether I like it or not, it's bursting to come out. I've known that. That doesn't mean it was easy to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying it's easy. But you were talking about how Motivation is not a problem. For me. <laughs> right. Well, it's not for me because when you are on your soul's path, I feel like motivation and procrastination are not an issue. Well, that's my opinion. But I mean, for you, it was more fear. You had so much fear around, like you knew what your soul's purpose was. You knew music was, is your soul's purpose. And you sometimes struggle with, you don't struggle with motivation or procrastination. It's resistance. The war of art, Stephen Pressfield, it's, it's, you're in a bad boy. So this is different. Like, do you know what I mean? I was going to go there. I was going to talk about the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. If you are feeling any resistance to doing what feels true to you, um, first of all, let me tell you, the stakes are just too high for you not to do it. That's why you're here. Honestly, like it just takes that element of get the frick over yourself. Like that's what I had to do for me was just, I had to get over myself. Like no one really cares about my resistance. No one's sitting there worrying about Nick Broadhurst, worrying about his, you know, putting his music out in the world. No one gives a toss. They're just trying to move through their own resistances and their own blocks, right? You have to do it yourself. You just got to get to that point where it's so 
it just burns up so much. You're just so desperate to do it that you just move through it and kind of just honestly, you just got to get over it. You just got to take a step. And I speak about this in episode number 19 on my show. And that is you are one step away from changing your life. Definitely check that out. But read The War of Art. If you're having resistance to doing that one thing, that was definitely a pivotal book for me, 100%, where I just went, oh my God, the stakes are so high for me right now. If I don't do this, I I know my past life. I know that I was a, a jazz pianist in New York. And my name was Lenny Tristano. I know all this stuff. And it sounds crazy, but you can check out <laughs> a podcast on that too called My Past Life. And- I didn't want to repeat what Lenny did, right? Lenny got to a certain point and then just couldn't bust through that next level for whatever reason. It was, you know, and I knew that I was going to repeat that. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot repeat this again in this lifetime. I've got to move through this. And that was it. You know, there was a spark that moved me through it. But honestly, you just got to take action. We can talk about it till the cows come home. You just got to take action, figure out the next step and do it. Do it today. Yep. That's very good advice. All right. Let's move on to the love section. We had so many questions come in, so we'll do our very best to get through as many as we possibly can. We might have to do another episode because we have not even scratched the surface. There are so many more questions here. Okay. First question, Natalie. Would love to hear about how you keep your relationship connected, especially during our busy lives. Okay. How we keep our relationship connected and how we stay connected is by making our relationship a priority. You don't just get married and say, I do, and then don't work at your relationship anymore. I see that a lot. People get married and then there's no more working on that relationship. With your partner, with your children, with your friends, with your parents, relationships take energy. If you want them to thrive and grow and evolve, you've got to invest time and love and energy to them. It's like a plant. You know, I've got beautiful plants in my house in Bondi, stunning plants fiddles, all sorts of beautiful things. But if I want them to thrive, I've got to give them the right amount of water, the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of air, everything. And that's that's the same as your relationship. You've got to give it the right amount of love and energy and attention in order for it to grow and thrive. So the way that we stay connected and the way that we support our relationship is by firstly making it a priority and carving out time in our life, in our day to connect. Because if we don't schedule in time together, our calendars get filled up with everything else. So we schedule in, we have date nights in, we have walks in together, we schedule it in. And I think that is really important if you want your relationship to thrive. Yeah, we could talk seriously for hours on this topic, but I've actually gone into depth already on this topic in my show. So, I'm going to give you a few episodes to listen to. The first one is number 32, An Orgasm a Day Keeps the Divorce Lawyer Away. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? It's a really good one. The next is episode 54, How to Keep the Spark Alive. I mean, that's going to answer so many of your questions. So, definitely check that out. And then we spoke about Living by the Code, which was episode one. And that's in relation to, as an individual, life. The sort of boundaries that you put around your own life so that you can thrive. But I also did one called Living by the Lover's Code, which was episode 56. So, check that out because we have 
our own non-negotiables. I can tell you right now, when we don't have certain things clicking in our life, especially our love life, I mean, we can joke about happy wife, happy life. Of course, it's, it's such a cliche saying. But is there anything more true than that? I tell you what, when Melissa's happy, everything flows. The feminine is so responsible for the energy like that in the relationship that when the feminine is all in alignment and happy, life is so good. And sex, not just mindless sex, we're talking about conscious, soulful sex. It makes everything sweeter. Everything, right? So sex is a huge part of it. But even if you can't, if you haven't got space for it one morning, we always just try and have a little chat or a cuddle and do our gratitudes together in bed. And if we miss one of those connections, Melissa is not the same person. It's true. I'm a little bit cranky. And if that goes on for days, wow. Yeah, recently it was like a week. 10 days. It was 10 days between making love. But not counting or anything. (laughs) She was because she's got it in her period tracker app. So I can't hide. If I'm not showing up, it shows up as a little love heart or lack of love hearts in her app. But I had come back from Nepal and we, well, we made love when I got back. It was beautiful. We connected. And then I went off and did. Ayurvedic Panchakarma, which was pretty intense and quite a process to go through in terms of just the energy involved in going through a purification process. And I just didn't have a libido for that period. It just was just gone. It was gone into healing and other things. And okay, that's all good. This stuff happens sometimes, but our life did not flow for those 10 days. I can guarantee you that. Okay, next question is from Shay. I would love to know how you met and the feelings you both felt when you knew you had met your soulmate. Ah, well, it is such a nice story and I wrote about it in my book. So, check that out. First of all, open wide, read that. We go into depth on how we met. But I just want to tell you one thing. People had always said to me, when you know, you know. And I'd be like, what? ever. And all of my friends that were in happy marriages, actually, there was probably only two of them that I can think of at the time. And they'd said to me, Mel, when you know, you know. And I'd be like, yeah, whatever. So, I don't believe that at all. But then I met Nick and I was like, oh my gosh. I know. I know with every fiber of my being, there wasn't ever a question about it. I just knew it was like coming home. It was like I'd been with him in many lives. It was the most comfortable, easy, effortless thing I've ever done. Marrying him was the easiest thing I'd ever done. Our parents, my mum and Nick's mum, used to joke that instead of walking down the aisle, I would be sprinting because they could see that we were soulmates. And it's a feeling. It was so effortless. And I think you know, your cells know, your body knows with every fiber of your being when you are with your soulmate. Yeah, I want to add to that that um, it was similar for me, of course. And it was bizarre. For those of you who don't know our story, you can actually hear it. Melissa interviewed me a while back and it's called How to Find the One. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, So you'll hear more about our story. But just in a nutshell, we had known of each other. We'd been to dinner parties with our previous partners where we're in the same room, you know, so we knew who each other were. But then when we finally came together, we were engaged basically two weeks from our first date. So, it was very, very quick. But in that two weeks, the feeling for me was 
I was on autopilot. It wasn't even me. Like I was this puppet being controlled by some universal puppet master, just being moved and directed. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go and buy that stone now. I'm going to go to the ring designer now. Cool. Yep. I'm going to plan this. I'm going to have the parents over. I'm going to ask permission. And it just happened. It was choiceless, wasn't it? It was. It was It was ease and grace in action. But I want to tell you, when you meet your match, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. In fact, you are signing up for the greatest challenge of your life and the greatest support because there's always equal support and challenge in everything. That's how the universe works. That is yin-yang. That's why this podcast episode is called yin-yang because that is a universal truth. And in a relationship, that is the same. We have had to move through some very, very challenging times together. Some of the hardest things I've ever been through. We've also experienced some of the most incredible highs together. And you have to make sure that you're not under some sort of illusion or delusion that when you meet the one, that it's going to be easy. It's not. So what you're saying that when you meet the one, it's not all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns? Well, it certainly is the very beginning for that first period. You know, we joked that we gave each other chronic fatigue syndrome because we just made love and didn't sleep. It's true. <laughs> I, I think I'm still recovering. We used to do meditations together. And then literally by, I guess, synchronicity, without any timer, we would open our eyes pretty much exactly at 20 minutes and we'd sort of look through one eye and our heads would be on our chest and we'd start laughing because we'd both have fallen asleep. We're just exhausted. I think it's really important that everyone listening remembers that. And this ties into one of the questions. You know, our relationships are opportunities for growth, they are our spiritual assignments. And when you are with your soulmate, you cannot hide. And it doesn't stop. The work doesn't stop when you get with your soulmate. That's when it really begins. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the next question. How do you handle conflict in your relationship? Yeah, we spoke about this recently in our open wide tour, which we did around Australia, which was a mix of music and content and meditation, almost like a real life musical. It was a lot of fun. Actually, we've got the recording of the Sydney show. We're still deciding what to do with that. But I would love to release that, darling. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's do something with it. Yeah, so hopefully you can check that out if you couldn't make the tour. But we spoke about really the biggest takeaway from that show, and it's one sentence. And again, if you have to write something down from this show, write this down. And that is that nothing good comes from closing. And never... <laughs> Have we said anything more true than that? Because it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It could be a work situation. We're all in relationship with all different types of people all day, every day. And when you close, nothing good comes from that. So in a romantic relationship, it's even more important because often when there is conflict, actually always when there's conflict, it's going to take one of you to yield, one of you to surrender the preference of continuing that conflict and to just stop, take a deep breath and yield. And remember that nothing good comes from closing. So in that moment, what can you do to first of all, open yourself? And then what can you do to have that openness go on to the other person so that they can open as well? 
And I think whenever Nick and I are butting heads, someone has failed to practice crystal clear communication. And it's not about going, well, you didn't practice or I didn't practice. It doesn't matter who. Awareness is key here. And we have to be aware that someone has failed and it takes someone to yield. And sometimes it might be me. Sometimes it might be Nick. It doesn't matter. It's not about judging the other person. I think the amazing thing about Nick and I is that when we do butt heads, where in the past I would have held on to the anger and resentment for weeks, maybe months, we get over things very quickly. Like we get over things in like 10 minutes, sometimes an hour, like maybe a day, max a day. Especially if you make love and, and as the masculine, if the masculine can service the feminine and give the, the female partner an orgasm, I'm telling you, it's going to dissolve very quickly. Yeah, I think that's really such a good point. But I think any sort of butting heads, any sort of conflict, remember that someone's failed to practice crystal clear communication. CCC, I talk about it in Open Wide. It's the best relationship tool in your relationship toolkit. So make sure you're using that and then yield. Be the first one to yield. Be the first one to lean in and open wide and go, hey, I'm sorry for speaking to you like that. Be the first. Be the first one that softens. Be the first one that opens wide and leans in because nothing good comes from closing. Totally. There is a question here on soulful sex. And I think you've covered that, you know, obviously in your book. Um, I just want to add to that that there is for the men out there, there is an episode in my show called How to Become a Conscious Ejaculator. And that one is episode number. 67. And I'm just pointing that one out because this is a really, really important part to the soulful sex process is for the man to understand his role and to understand the power of his, well, the energy within him, the semen, and what that means and what being able to control that means. Definitely check that out. We also have an episode in there called Sex as an Act of Service. So definitely check that one out. Um, so rather than go into detail, I just recommend you listen to some of those and I'm going to also do an episode soon on actually on the female orgasm, on the cervical orgasm. I'm going to do an episode on that because it's been a huge transformative healing power in Melissa's life. And Melissa, definitely, definitely read open wide. It's so important. And there's also some amazing podcasts on her show, on this show around that. So check those out. There's a question there about me. I just want to bring this up quickly. My dating suggestions for women. Anita wants to know your do's and don'ts for dating. I'm going to just simplify this because really at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. First of all, you have to do the work on yourself. When Melissa and I both met, we'd come through a period of space. We were both single and we had the time to do more and more personal development on ourselves. You have to get to that place of not just knowing you're worthy, but feeling that worthiness in every single cell, every single cell of your body, feeling worthy of love. And no matter what happens, you have to approach not just romantic relationships, but every single relationship from a position of worthiness. And honestly, we could talk about a whole bunch of things, different do's and don'ts, but it all comes back to love, first of all love for yourself. You might want to add to that, darling. I talk a lot about this in Open Wide. I mean, how to call in the one. It's all in there. So, I would highly recommend reading that. It is so important. 
doing the work on yourself, acting as if, remembering that there's no void in you, there's no lack. They are the cherry on top. You, you are already perfect and whole and complete and your beloved that you're calling in is the cherry on top. They don't complete you. You don't feel a void in them. They don't feel a void in you. They are the cherry on top of your already delicious, gluten-free, sugar-free chocolate brownie. That's for sure. So let's move to this question. Jenny, high life. Can you talk about what it was like to get engaged after two weeks? Melissa, was the proposal a surprise? No. The actual day was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know. I think you thought it was at least a month away from that point. Yeah. But I mean, what was it like? It was perfect. It was effortless. It, it was choiceless. It was like Nick said before, m- being guided by a higher source. Like I felt like a puppet and it felt so effortless and easy and right and yes and whole body yes. And it was the best. I remember the day exactly. I remember he took me on a picnic with all of my favorite delicious food and we went on this beautiful sunset picnic and then he disappeared into the bushes <laughs> for a little while and he kept on asking, what time is sunset? What time is sunset? And I was like, Jesus, dude, just chill. Like, let's just eat the food. Yeah, it was funny because we had to walk through some Australian bush. Was, we call it the secret spot. It's a spot we go to sometimes. It's this amazing view over Sydney Harbour and it's in the bush and, you, you know, you would never know it's there if you didn't get told by someone, which we were told by a friend. And Melissa was wearing sandals actually, and you have to walk through this bush. And I got a bit lost because <laughs> I'd only been there once before. And we went this sort of strange way and she got bitten by a bull ant or something. She was bitten by something. And I'm thinking, because in the Australian bush, if you get bitten by something and it hurts, I mean, <laughs> there's things in there that can kill you. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, like I'm feeling really inspired in this moment, but have I just killed my future wife? I was freaking out actually. But we finally got there and it was just really easy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really beautiful. We had a gorgeous picnic and we were laughing and then he disappeared into the bushes while I was hoeing down on some raw chocolate vegan brownie something. And I wasn't even fast. I'd forgotten where he'd gone. I was just enjoying this beautiful sunset, no phones and my raw vegan organic cake that he had bought me. And then he pops out of the bushes and the next thing I know he's on his knees. And it was so beautiful and amazing and everything. Well, to give context, why was I in the bushes? I wasn't doing a bush poo. No, you weren't doing a bush poo. That would have been super inappropriate. Even if I wanted to do one, I couldn't have done one. But I actually went in to get this piece of grass, like a long piece, wasn't it grass, like a piece of plant. And I wrapped it around her finger like it was a ring. So I got down on one knee and then I had her sitting on this rock, staring at this beautiful view and then had her close her eyes and wrapped this plant around her finger like a ring. And And here I am thinking, is he proposing with a piece of grass? (laughs) That, like I was like, is this what's happening? Because I was so present and then like I zoomed out of my body and like kind of went above my body and was looking down on myself and I was like, is he proposing with a piece of grass? <laughs> Hang on a minute. Well, I was because the the whole point of that exercise was to say that we don't need anything. We have everything within ourselves and everything together. We don't need anything, you know, material or fancy because everything that we have is already within us and we found it in the the yin and the yang within each other. But what was amazing was when we met, we had our first real date and you came back to my place. 
we were speaking about marriage that first night. So we knew, we just knew it was going to happen. In fact, I had a clear vision of the wedding on that first date, which I shared with Melissa. So we knew that we were going down that path. I don't, well, I know that Melissa did not expect it so early within two weeks. It probably felt like it was a month or two away. But it still felt so effortless and perfect and I didn't even question it. So it did surprise me, but in a good way. Well, I just thought, we're going to get married. Why? What am I waiting for? What are we waiting for? Let's do it. And we got married six months later, five months later. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the best. And that was four and a half years ago. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Lucky. Lucky you asked me. You're a goodie. All right. Let's move on to the parenting section. We've got some parenting questions. Kat would like to know, as a fellow stepmama, I'd love to hear both your perspectives on being in a blended family and the challenges that you feel and how you overcome them. Oh, this is such a big question. This is one of Melissa's greatest spiritual challenges. I feel like we need a whole episode just on parenting. Well, just on step parenting, just about. Just on step parenting. I think that's a good idea, but let's touch on it now. Okay. So, stepping into being a stepmom, we call it bonus mom, was completely new territory for me because my parents are still together. Nick's parents are still together. Nick's parents have been married for like 40 something years. My parents, 40 years. And so I didn't grow up in a blended family. So I don't know what it's like. And then all of a sudden I'm in this blended family and it's definitely, I've needed training wheels. I have needed training wheels because I didn't know how to ride that bike. I had no examples. All of my aunties and uncles are still together. Like all of my friends' families are still together. So I didn't have any examples of blended families or how to even navigate them. I didn't know. So it's been really big growth for me. Big challenge. Yeah. It's also brought so much joy and support. And Leo is a big teacher for me, a huge teacher. All children are, you know, they'll show you all the areas that you've got to look at within yourself. But I think, okay, there's a couple of things with step parenting that I've really realized, and that is letting go of control. We cannot control what happens in the other home. All we can do is do the very best when Leo is in our home. And so he spends one week there and one week with us. And I have stressed and lost sleep and got so upset. And to to be clear on that, you know, we're actually really grateful to Leo's mum. She's a great mother. And he gets two very different experiences. But what's most important is he's surrounded by love. And the things that were triggering Melissa were actually really inconsequential. They were small. Oh, like like him eating gluten. Like something like that. Like these are the things. Like she is an amazing mum and it was little things like that that I'm like, why am I getting so upset about gluten like or dairy or sugar or like little things like that? Like, let it go, Melissa. Surrender open wide. That was my mantra. Let it go. Surrender open wide. And in fairness to them, they have worked with us on those things. They've also opened up and been supportive of our you know, wishes when it comes to diet. So, but that came through crystal clear communication. And that took a while, but it Mm. came eventually. Mm. So, I think letting go, surrendering and opening wide and not getting caught up on what happens in the other home is key. You've really got to do it. You've just got to do it. And, And trusting that 
Leo is on his own soul journey. Like he is his own sovereign being and his soul has chosen this life. His soul has chosen to have two families. And all we can do is love him and be the best parents that we can be when he's under our roof. And when he's not under our roof, we have to let it go. We have to surrender. We have to open wide. Yeah. And look, I sometimes feel like the crappest dad. Like I really do. I felt like I was a terrible dad last year. We talk about parent guilt a lot. Like, oh, I'm so guilty of parent guilt. <laughs> I feel like I'm so average at it. Yet, Leo and I have a beautiful relationship. We adore each other. You know, he's my best mate. But I still feel like I'm learning because I am. I've never been a parent to a 12-year-old and I've never been a parent to a 13-year-old or a 14 because that's still to come, right? So, it's a work in progress. But when it comes to step parenting, you know, I think control has been Melissa's biggest lesson is letting go of control and, and trusting Leo's path that he's sovereign. And also trusting that, you know, whatever is going on in both homes is exactly what he needs. It's the perfect lesson for him right now. So there's a lot of trust when you have a bonus son or a bonus mum to just trust, trust that it will unfold beautifully. We often laugh because Melissa will get triggered by things that Leo and I, we don't even notice it, you know, and it triggers her because she's coming in with a totally different dynamic. And I've had eight years more than Melissa to be a parent. So there's certain things that just do not trigger me, right? Because I've, I've been through that education already. So Leo and I just kind of laugh sometimes because we just find it amazing that certain things do trigger her. And we have to be really respectful of the things that do actually trigger her. We're very mindful of it. So, you know, it's a constant dance between Melissa surrendering control, Leo and I understanding those things that do trigger her. You know, it takes a lot of communication. And we have sometimes these dinners where, you know, it's just a full crystal clear communication session where we have to resolve things together as a family. So, being a step parent, a bonus mom, is a very unique challenge and it requires a lot of respect from the uh, the blood parent to understand how unique that challenge is and then it takes time and from both sides, Melissa needs to respect me as a parent and I have to respect the challenges that she has to face as a bonus mom. It's It's a challenge, right? Yeah. And we practice crystal clear communication. And sometimes, you know, I sit down with Nick and I just say, this is how I'm feeling. And he's very respectful. It's it's where crystal clear communication needs to really come into play. It is most definitely a work in progress and it will be for the rest of our lives. Jazz has a question. I'd love to hear more about conscious parenting. Okay. So first up, conscious parenting, there's two amazing books called The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. Also, Buddhism for Mothers is another great book. On my books that have changed my life, I've got some more epic parenting and motherhood books on there that you should check out. I think The Buddhism for Mothers really had an impact on you. It really, really did. It was so powerful. And conscious parenting is something that Nick and I are very, very mindful of. And I do more of the parenting reading. I'm constantly going to workshops and- I've never read a book on parenting. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm teetering around the edge of reading Conscious Parent or The Wakened Family. Maybe, yeah, I think I could really benefit from some more input on that side of things. 
But what I do is I'm the one that does all the reading because I want to, because I'm really interested and I love it. And then I share my notes with Nick, which he's very open to. I think also you're doing the reading because for for you right now, it feels like more of a challenge. Like Mm. I've got different challenges right now, which I'm focused on. And for you, that's a real, it's a trigger. So you're trying to resolve. Yeah. So I'm, I'm constantly looking at these amazing books and just wanting to grow and learn and evolve that side of me. And Nick is very open to hearing what I learn, which is great. And to just at lunch today, we were talking about something that I'd heard in a parenting podcast and he sits there and he listens and I practice crystal clear communication with him. And I will say, you know, this is something that I've read in the conscious parenting books and how about we try it with Leo? What do you think? And we just discuss it. And it's something that you've really got to be mindful of and have an open dialogue with your partner about, it's so important. Crystal clear communication around parenting is so important. And that's why chapter four, dive into your ocean in my book, Open Wide, is very important. You've got to get crystal clear on your core values, especially around parenting, because you want to align with someone who has the same core values as you. Because if you don't believe in hitting children and you start dating someone who hits children, like smacks children in in as a form of discipline, like how is that going to work? So you kind of need to be on the same page, the same parenting page when you align with someone. I think that's really important. But conscious parenting is something that we are very mindful of with Leo. We really want to bring him up in a very mindful, conscious way. Everything, it, it drip feeds into every area of our life. Yeah. And I think the one thing that you and I can improve more and really work on, which we're both very aware of, is allowing Leo to have a voice. Because I think at times it's easy as a parent to think that you're in this position of authority and kind of abuse that position of authority to just squash the desires of a child. So you may not have the space to hear a complaint or they might be whinging about something. And instead of really allowing them the space to to speak and have a voice, it's like, enough, stop. I'm telling you right now that you have to be quiet, <laughs> you know, like, and basically just exerting this influence over them, almost from a position of making them fear you, like fear the consequences. And I have to say, the one thing I really want to work on is that I really want to be more of a conduit for Leo to get to know who he truly is. And not to try and shape him into the person that I want him to be. And I think I do an okay job at that, but I think I have a long way to go to allowing Leo to ex- express himself more clearly. Yeah, me too. Something we're very, very mindful of. And I think if you're conscious and mindful in all areas of your life, then parenting is just another one. And it's just another area you get to practice. And acknowledging, you know what, you, you're going to just do things that are just out of alignment sometimes as a parent because we all have triggers. We all have tired days or lack of energy and and we just, sometimes we just kind of average. But also being gentle on yourself and understanding that this is a new experience. Every day as a parent is a new day with new lessons. And just be kind to yourself and know that it's a work in progress. And sometimes I say to Leo, I'm just like, you know, dude, I just want to say that the way that I spoke to you wasn't okay. And I just want to apologize. That wasn't good enough. That's not the sort of role model I want to be for you. And, you know, I do have those conversations with him sometimes. So speaking to your child like an adult, like a sovereign being, 
giving them respect, giving them space to have their own voice. Very important. I think that's something that we've always done with Leo, which I love, is we've always spoken to him like a child. We've never dumbed him down. We've never babied anything for him. If he comes in and we're having an adult conversation about something and he says, what are you talking about? We'll tell him. Like We don't dumb things down ever for him. We speak to him like an adult and I love that. We've always done that. Caitlin wants to know, is there a right time for children? Pretty interesting because we recently did a Jyotish astrology reading with Laura Plum. You can learn more about her at lauraplum.com. She's one of our Vedic mentors. She was on my show too. We can link to that in the show notes. She's actually Bhavaram's wife. Anyway, so if there's a right time, you know, astrologically from a Vedic perspective, for us, there is a right time. There's a period. There's a period. There's a period where it's written in the stars. And, you know, we don't take that as gospel. It's interesting information that sometimes gives you comfort, I guess. But in terms of that, we know that it's just going to be one day, it's going to feel like this is it. This is the time. Yeah, I don't think searching for a time logically in your head is the way to go. I think it's a feeling. It's a feeling deep within and the right time is the right time, is the time when it happens. That's the right time Mm -hmm. when it happens and we can't predict the date in the future but we know that it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Yeah, we know that it's getting closer and closer. You know, we're not putting any time frame on it and it'll it'll just be what will be. That's it. So I think a really important thing about having children is don't stress about it because if you're stressing about it, your body's not going to produce the progesterone that it needs to make a healthy baby. It's going to be in fight or flight. It's not going to want to make babies. So relaxing around that is really important. So important. Yeah. And just getting out of your head, getting out of your head, come back into your heart. It'll happen when it's meant to happen. And of course, everything we've spoken about in the health department and the spiritual department approaching life from a holistic point of view is going to support any baby-making efforts because if you're doing everything from all levels, then you're going to be in a physical state where your body is feeling like, yep, I've got enough energy now to, to divert into creating life. Really important. So as Melissa would say, switching gears now, <laughs> I want to ask these questions of you because you're always asking these questions. I'll answer them too. But these are the standard questions you ask at the end of your episodes. So first one is, what do you attribute your success to? Taking inspired action every day. I would say feeling the fear and doing it anyway, that classic saying. So true. Next one is, what's bringing you the most joy right now? So many things. Oh, we're in Noosa. It's the middle of winter and it's 24 degrees and I'm in a crop top. And it's beautiful weather and we're renovating our dream home and I'm here with you. That's bringing me the most joy right now. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think it would be space, the space that we have together. We get to do things like just sit and look at a beautiful view and eat our lunch mindfully and not feel like we need to talk about a million things and just be. Just being is so joyful. Next question is, what is the one thing you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Okay, this is what I'm working on right now is chewing my food. (laughs) 
very mindfully. Yeah, that just in general, just slowing down and being more mindful and not filling all my white space. Being in type A, pitta, overachieving Aries, I have in the past filled my white space. And so, leaving my white space is something I'm working on. Yeah, good one. Because just the simple act of chewing goes way beyond chewing. You know, it is a mindful practice. When you chew your food 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 times, you turn that into complete liquid with no lumps. Make that a goal. It's a very simple way to know if you've chewed your food enough. And I actually read a passage from the Bible today. I'm not religious, but in that sense, but I read a passage from the Bible about Jesus and he speaks about chewing your food into liquid, into water, which I found really interesting. Anyway, what am I working on or would like to improve within myself at the moment? Uh, My big thing right now is breath, is bringing more chi, more prana into my physical body and into my life. So I'm, yeah, I'm crafting a breath practice. All right, next one is let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the curriculum in every high school around the world. Which book do you choose? There's so many, so many, so many, so many. I wrote a whole blog post about it, but I think Conversations with God, book number one, life-changing, so good. If you haven't read it, guys, it is amazing. What book would you choose, honey? This, you know, this may not be the most... Uh, appropriate in terms of age, but this book just completely blew my mind. I would say Autobiography of a Yogi. If you haven't read that, it'll blow your mind. All right, next question is, what are three things that you're most recently grateful for? Mm, All of the beautiful aligned people that are working on our dream home. It's been amazing having them. I'm grateful to be here in sunny Queensland in winter and it's just amazing. And I am grateful for every single pair of ears that is listening to this. I'm so grateful to have you here listening to this. I love and adore you guys so much. You are always in my gratitude list every single morning. So I'm really grateful for everyone listening. What about you? Yeah, definitely grateful for our home that we're renovating. It's just so much fun to have the space to do that. I'm really grateful to be married to you. I feel like, I don't know, there's this beautiful sense of peace you have when you have your one or your match. It's hard to explain until you experience it, but it just brings so much depth and richness to my life. I'm so grateful for that. And last of all, I would say I'm grateful for Mother Nature because I just feel so at home and at peace in Mother Nature, especially when I'm in the ocean. I love Mother Nature. Thank you for being my constant reminder to be true to myself. All right. The next one is, in your opinion, what's the one most important thing you can do for your health? Meditate. Yep. I'm going to say meditate. Now, what is the one most important thing you can do for your wealth? Rewrite your money story and live it every single day. I'm going to say meditate. And what is the one most important thing you could do for love? Be love. Give love. I would say stay open. Is there anything else you want to share with us, Melissa? Well, I guess that's a question for both of us. And I would say right now, no, I think we've shared quite a bit. That feels pretty good. And what is one thing that I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today to Melissa? Know that you're worthy. Know that you are deeply worthy of all the love and abundance 
that you truly desire in your life. Like really know it, really feel it in your bones. It's time. It's really time to let go of the suffering, let go open wide and step into your true brilliance. So that's how you can serve me today. Yeah, beautiful. For me, I would say, please head into Spotify and follow me as an artist. This is a very practical thing that you can do for me. Follow me as an artist and add some of my music to your playlists because that really tells Spotify that I am cool. You are cool. I'd be very grateful for that. And also, we hope you've enjoyed this yin yang Q&A. I mean, we've certainly enjoyed it. It's, it's definitely your longest ever episode. Definitely. Which I think is a great thing. And I would say if you have enjoyed this, then we would love to do more for you. But we won't know if you enjoy it unless you tell us. So please post something on social media and tag at Melissa Ambrosini and tag at I am Nick Broadhurst so that we know, because then we can actually see if you enjoyed this. So thank you so much for joining us. I'll let Melissa take it from here because that's what she does. <laughs> thank you, guys. I hope you have enjoyed this yin and yang Q&A. We will do more, like Nick said. And please let us know if you have enjoyed it. But happy 100 episodes. We love you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah, I've got to say well done, darling, because... You know, I think we're, yeah, we're pretty close to 3 million downloads. 3 million downloads in just over a year. And that is really, you know, a sign of you. And so I just wanted to bring that into this space and honor you because, you know, we started this from a feeling of it just felt right to do a podcast and it just felt like it was time for you. And it's been so much fun. You know, when we read a book or, just anything happens, we're like, oh my God, that'd be great for the podcast. And it's this tool to be able to share with you what's lighting Melissa up, what's lighting me up. It's such an amazing tool. And we are so grateful that you listen and that you share it. And um, also for listening to my show, I'm so grateful that you guys are listening there as well. So again, thank you so much. It's such a gift that you have uh, created here with this show, darling. Thank you, honey. We love you guys. We love your guts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Ciao. I had the best fun recording this episode with Nick. It was so much fun. And as you noticed, it was a much longer interview than I've ever done before. And I hope you guys liked it. Let me know if you liked this style of thing because I will definitely do it again if you guys loved it. And if you got a lot out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And for those that have left me a review already, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so grateful. I love doing this show for you guys. And please tell me who else you would like me to have on the show. Tell me on social media or either on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, who else you would like me to have on. And for everything that Nick and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 100. And you can listen to all my other episodes there too. And just another reminder that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And you can also check out there, Nick and I created an open wide video masterclass for you and it's free. So just head to melissaambrosini.com 
forward slash open wide to get access to that free video masterclass that we created for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. And before I go, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. I absolutely love doing this show for you guys. Cannot believe it's a hundred episodes and almost three million downloads. Wow, I'm so grateful. And just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being here. Thank you for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock. I love you. And now if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode and my podcast, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you have got to do to get this inspiration, this knowledge and this wisdom in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating and wealthy isn't a dirty word.